well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad you've joined us on the program today. We've got a doozy of a story to talk about. You know, Chicago, things not going well. Things have not been going well in Chicago for uh, quite some time. Uh, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, you know, loves to place the blame on Chicago's crime at the feet of law-abiding responsible gun owners and of uh, the gun laws in other states, right? It's it's not that uh, Illinois' gun control laws are ineffective. It's that states like Indiana don't have the same gun control laws that Illinois has on the books. And so, therefore, you got criminals that are skedaddling over in Indiana. They're buying truckloads of guns. They're hauling them back into Chicago. And darn it, we need federal gun control legislation uh, in order to deal with Chicago's violent crime. Never mind the fact that, uh, you know, violent crime in Indiana is lower than... It is in the state of Illinois. Uh, never, never mind those facts. No, no, that's just uh, that's problematic to mention. So uh, instead, Lori Lightfoot loves to focus on basically everything but the criminal. Now, you could argue that Lori Lightfoot is changing a little bit with a, a new proposal that the city council in Chicago set to consider. Uh, she wants to sue gang members. Mm hmm. Uh, a uh, proposed ordinance would enable the city to sue purported gang members in civil court to try to seize their assets. But uh, critics say that the plan relies on an error-ridden gang database that was supposed to be overhauled, not to mention the fact that the state of Illinois already has a very similar law on the books. A Block Club Chicago wrote about uh, this ordinance, and they write that the ordinance mirrors a state law and would empower the city's corporation council to bypass the Cook County State's Attorney's Office and sue in civil court to seize the assets of reported gang members and criminal networks. Lightfoot said on Friday, quote, if successful, the tactic would interrupt the gang leadership structure and take away the profit motive of gun violence. The Corporation Council would work with any federal, state, or local law enforcement agencies to, quote, gather data, collect and share evidence and information potentially relevant in order to file complaints. All right, so let's, let's discuss this for just a little bit, shall we? First of all, again, this is a duplicative effort. If there is already a state law on the books, then why does Chicago need a local ordinance? Just use the state law. This appears on the surface to be a soundbite solution, something that politicians say that makes it seem like they're doing something to impact and address violent crime, when in reality, all they're doing is uttering words that sound good when you hear them, but don't do a damn thing to actually address violent crime. So that's the first issue. This is a duplicative effort. You already have a state law on the books. But let's talk about Lori Lightfoot's uh, phrase, uh, take away the profit motive of gun violence. There is no profit motive for gun violence. This is something that even the gang members in Chicago don't seem to understand. There is no profit that comes from turf wars or from personal beefs that uh, end up with dead victims or injured victims, innocents, wounded or killed on the streets of Chicago. There's no profit motive there. You know, if you look at the Mexican drug cartels, obviously there's a lot of violence in Mexico, right? But you don't hear a lot about cartel violence here in the United States, even though the cartels have wide distribution networks of uh, illegal drugs, particularly heroin, fentanyl, and uh, other opioids. Why is that? I think it's because the cartels are smart enough to understand that uh, they can operate more freely in the United States if they're not gunning for each other 
on American streets. They can keep those turf wars in Mexico. But uh, there's really no benefit to engaging in that type of uh, of, of violent war uh, against fellow cartels uh, on these streets of the United States. It's far easier. You can make more money if you keep your uh, head down. You operate quietly. You go about the business of dealing drugs. And you don't allow violence to interfere. Now, again, in Mexico, where there is a, a very weak law enforcement uh, apparatus in place, a lot of corruption, it's a different calculus for those drug cartels than it is here in the United States. But I, I dispute the the idea uh, that Lori Lightfoot uh, lays out here, that there is uh, some sort of profit motive that is uh, generating or causing the violence in Chicago. I, I, I don't think that that's it at all. Now, as for Lightfoot's plan to actually go after gang members and sue them in civil court, that brings up another issue. How do you determine who's a gang member? Well, the mayor says, uh, we're proposing a tool in civil courts that gives us the opportunity to go after those gangs that are wreaking havoc, and in particular, take away the profit motive from them by seizing assets that they've been able to purchase because of their violent activity in our neighborhoods. Again, it's not the violent activity that's generating money for these gangs. It's the drug sales. And I mean, you can say that the two are inherently um, uh, intertwined with one another, but I don't think that's actually the case. I mean, when you look at programs like uh, Operation Ceasefire, which we've talked about in this program quite a bit, the goal there was not to stop drug dealing in Boston, Massachusetts. That was the city that first put Operation Ceasefire into place back in the 1990s. The goal was to stop people from shooting one another. And so they found the most violent gangs, and they found the most violent members of those gangs, and they had a call in, and they said, you're going to stop shooting each other. Uh, and if you do this on your own, we'll help you. We'll help you get your GED. We'll help you get job training. We'll help you get counseling if you need. We'll help, we'll, we'll help you turn your life around. But you got to stop shooting. If you don't do it on your own, we're going to make you stop shooting. We're going to take your cases. We're going to refer them to federal court. You're going to be going away for 10, 15, maybe 20 years, depending on the severity of your crimes. Choice is up to you. But it wasn't about cutting down on drug dealing. It wasn't about cutting down on the amount of crack cocaine or uh, heroin that was on the streets of Boston. It was about stopping the shooting. And again, I, I mean, I hate to be so blunt, but you really can separate out the illegal drug dealing from the illegal acts of violence. And you can address those in two different ways. Lori Lightfoot doesn't seem to have a clue as to what she's doing. If she's talking about the profit motive of violence, uh, the ACLU is taking an interest in this, preparing a legal analysis of the ordinance, urging the city council to be cautious when considering it. Uh, ACLU of Illinois spokesman Ed Yonka criticizing these strategies said the well-publicized inaccuracies of the gang database means the city risks suing the wrong people and that there are already laws to confiscate property from people involved in crime. Why, why, why let a little thing like possibly suing the wrong person stand in the way of being able to say that you've done something to address Chicago's violence, right? This kind of reminds me of the no fly, no buy bill that gun control activists love to talk about. Still talking about it today, as a matter of fact. I mean, if you're on the no fly list, why aren't you be able to buy a gun? Well, if you're on a list, somebody says that you're a gang member, why shouldn't we be able to sue you and take away all your assets? I don't know, maybe because your name being on the list is not actually evidence of you being involved in a gang. Alderman uh, Andre Vasquez in Chicago. 
says, by the ordinance's logic, city council could be defined by a gang or defined as a gang. He said, quote, looking at our history's, uh, city's history of racist policy and racial profiling by police, a gang database that the inspector general has made clear is inaccurate and compromised. All in the same week that the city is being sued for stop and frisk practices. This is the wrong direction for the city to go in, and it doesn't make us any safer. Now, Chicago uh, Block Club also says gangs are not responsible for the majority of homicides in Chicago, according to the police department's own data. Last month, the Trace analyzed Chicago Police Department data of 34,000 shootings in the past decade. Less than three in 10 of them were considered gang-related. Yes and no. Um, it may very well be that more than 30% of the city's shootings were actually gang-related. But considering the fact that the Chicago Police Department currently has a clearance rate of about 5% for non-fatal shootings, I would argue that there's no real way of knowing how many of these shootings are gang-related. If the Chicago Police Department is only making an arrest in one of every 20 non-fatal shootings, I'm guessing that they're not able to determine what exactly led to a lot of these uh, shootings in these streets of Chicago. Uh, I would argue that uh, gang violence is a significant driver of violent crime in Chicago. But that doesn't mean that Lori Lightfoot's idea is a good one. And Alderman Vasquez's uh, assertion that this gang database is rife with problems is true. The uh, city's inspector general's office uh, criticizing the department's gang database in 2019, saying the system system lacked oversight, was full of egregious inconsistencies. Um, The agency released a follow-up report in April concluding that the department, April of this year, by the way, concluding that the department had fallen, quote, critically short of its promises to overhaul the list. Deborah Witzberg, the Deputy Inspector General for Public Safety, said at the time, we welcome indications of recent progress, but for Chicagoans impacted by an opaque and procedurally flawed system, time is short, and two years is a very long time. So here's the thing. I I, I don't know if this is going to go through. I kind of doubt that it is, honestly. I, I, I don't know if, if Lori Lightfoot actually has the backing of enough aldermen to get this through in Chicago. Not that this is going to impact law-abiding gun owners one way or the other. I mean, I suppose it could if the mayor tried to, you know, call some sort of, well, that's the problem. There are no gun ranges in the Chicago city limits, so there's not much that uh, Mayor Lightfoot could do to go after gun stores or gun clubs or, uh, you know, gun ranges under the guise of uh, going after gang activity. But it's still lacking. This, this, this strategy is still lacking in one serious regard. If you know who the gang members are, and supposedly according to Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, the city does, why sue them instead of prosecuting them? That's what I don't get. We're going we're gonna to sue you. We're going to take your money away because we uh, believe that you are connected to violent crimes. Maybe put forth some more effort into uh, arresting and prosecuting these individuals. Don't offer them sweetheart plea deals. Don't let them plead down to misdemeanor charges when they're facing violent felony offenses. Don't remove all of the violent felonies from the charges and allow them to plead guilty to a nonviolent felony. Get away with a slap on the wrist. Invest more money in the type of policing that leads to more arrests for violent crimes as opposed to things like stop and frisk that lead to possessory 
uh, nonviolent possessory charges. And you can actually turn things around in Chicago. But you've got to focus on the criminal behavior in the criminal justice system. As opposed to saying, well, if your name's on a list somewhere that says you're a gang member, we're going to sue you. We're going to try to take your assets away. I, I, I cannot think of a more, well, that's, that's not true. I was going to say I, I can't think of a more backwards approach. Oh, I can think of some more backwards approaches. Approaches, by the way, that have also been uh, adopted and lauded by Chicago's mayor. By casting a wide net over law-abiding gun owners. Uh, and uh, uh, restricting their right to keep their arms in the hopes of entrapping a few criminals or two. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's also a completely backwards way of addressing violent crime. But using the civil courts to go after violent criminals, when the clearance rate for homicides in Chicago is under 50%, and again, the clearance rate for non-fatal shootings is less than 10%, you don't need to haul these people into a civil court. You need to be doing everything you can to ensure that violent actors face consequences for the damage that they're doing. Not in terms of trying to take their money away, but in terms of taking their freedom away. Their freedom to act with such callous disregard for human life. That, of course, would require getting tough on criminals. And I don't know that uh, Mayor Lightfoot has it in her. Law-abiding gun owners? Sure. People actually pulling the trigger in Chicago? Not so much. All right, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a, a story out of North Carolina, where a, a felon who shot two people at a North Carolina racetrack, now facing federal charges, excuse me, uh, state charges, but uh, is scheduled to appear in court this week. 45-year-old Yosef Emil Handy, detained by uh, two off-duty officers at the Friendship Motor Speedway on Saturday. They were working security there. Handy was uh, taken into custody after he shot two people, uh, both sustaining non-life-threatening injuries. Following the investigation, according to uh, local media, Handy was charged with two counts of assault with a deadly weapon with intent to kill, inflicting serious injury, as well as one count of possession of a firearm by a felon. Handy is currently on federal probation for an unknown incident. His probation officer has been reached out to, but has made no comment at this time, according to release from the Surrey County Sheriff's Office. Now, we don't know all of the details of Mr. Handy's previous criminal history, but I, I will note that this shouldn't have happened in North Carolina. And North Carolina has a pistol purchase permit requirement that was just upheld by North Carolina's governor, even though it was uh, a, a bill to repeal that pistol permit. Uh, pit, let me try that again. Pistol purchase permit requirement was passed by the state legislature, was endorsed by the North Carolina Sheriff's Association. None of that mattered. Governor Roy Cooper and anti-gun Democrats decided to keep that gun control law in place because, as I said, it stops people like Mr. Handy from illegally acquiring a firearm. Except, clearly, it doesn't stop people like Mr. Handy from illegally acquiring a firearm as a convicted felon. Instead, North Carolina's pistol purchase permit law prevents law-abiding citizens from being able to legally acquire a handgun because it leaves it up to the county sheriff to determine whether or not they are suitable 
to do so, even if they've passed a background check. Even if they are legally eligible to purchase that firearm, North Carolina's pistol purchase permit law gives the authority to county sheriffs to say, meh, I don't really think you're the type of person we want carrying a, a handgun. Owning a handgun, not even carrying a handgun, owning a pistol for self-defense. And we were told when Governor Cooper vetoed the repeal of the pistol purchase permit measure that this is a valuable, life-saving tool in North Carolina. Try telling that to the people who got shot by Mr. Handy, who illegally acquired a firearm, despite the fact that he shouldn't be able to, because of North Carolina's pistol purchase permit law, the uh, relic of Jim Crow that remains on the books, put in place in 1919, specifically to prevent undesirables. We know who were considered undesirable people in North Carolina in 1919, right? Yeah. Law was specifically put on the books to prevent undesirables from legally acquiring a handgun. Here we are now, 102 years later, and the uh, Democrats in North Carolina refuse to let go of that uh, remnant of the Jim Crow era there in the state. All right, on to today's Armed Citizen story from Atlanta, Georgia, where there is no pistol purchase permit requirement. 17-year-old's been charged with murder after his uh, accomplice was shot dead during a alleged robbery attempt uh, there in the Atlanta area. This is from uh, Channel 11 in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Happened Friday in the Buckhead neighborhood of Atlanta. Atlanta police charging the 17-year-old felony murder, entering an auto, possession of a firearm during the commission of a felony, possession of a firearm by a person under the age of 18. The uh, teenager was shot, according to law enforcement, when a man was walking out of a grocery store in this uh, shopping plaza, and he noticed two guys breaking into his car. Uh, at that moment, he decided to confront him. Uh, and uh, Atlanta Police Department Deputy Chief Timothy Peake says uh, when the situation escalated, quote, the victim chose to take his weapon and defend himself against the people that were breaking into that vehicle. One of those individuals found dead inside the car. Police say the 17-year-old now charged with the murder ran off towards uh, Peachtree Hills firing a gun. Shots fired back and forth between the would-be car burglar slash robber and the armed citizen. And the teen was uh, shot in the wrist. As of this weekend, he was still being treated for that wound at Grady Hospital. Once he's released, he's going to be taken to the Fulton County Jail. Now, why is he being charged with the death of his accomplice? Well, under Georgia law, if you are involved in criminal activity that leads to the death of one of your associates, you get to be charged with homicide. The uh, deputy chief says it appears that uh, this was a group of people who decided to come out and commit crimes. And unfortunately, it led to the death of somebody. Indeed. But I'm glad it did not lead to the death of the guy who was simply trying to drive home after going to the grocery store, that he was able to protect and defend himself from those two armed robbers. Finally today, our uh, good deed of the day from California, Mountain View area, a police officer in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to save the life of a choking infant at an In-N-Out burger. Uh, this was a week ago today, as a matter of fact. Uh, Officer Garcia of the Mountain View Police Department was uh, writing a uh, incident report. It was about 7.45 Monday night when the department got a call about a baby boy choking at an In-N-Out burger. And that just happened to be across the street from where Officer Garcia was writing his report. So he literally ran to the restaurant 
found that the baby was not breathing, performed chest compressions on the infant for several minutes until the baby was able to breathe again. The uh, baby was taken to a local hospital, has since recovered, and is back home. And uh, Mountain View Police Chief Chris Swing says, I am so proud of the quick actions that were taken to help this littlest Mountain View resident. Yeah, as well you should be. In the right place, at the right time, willing able to do the right thing, save the life of a, a baby. Hopefully in and out, maybe, you know, I'm not saying he deserves free food or anything, but, you know, upgrade to a free large fry next time Officer Garcia goes through the drive-thru. Might be appropriate. Anyway, Officer Garcia, we do appreciate your very good deed. And uh, thank you, sir, for your service. That is going to do it for this edition of Barry and Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program. As always, we will be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. But don't forget to check out BarryandArms.com in the meantime, because we'll get you caught up there as well. If you like what you see, you can always become a VIP subscriber. Just go to BarryandArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNS to get 25% off of your VIP membership. Not only will you be supporting programs like this, but you'll also get exclusive analysis, commentary, news stories that you won't find anywhere else. It's our way of saying thank you, and we really do appreciate your support. Have yourself a fantastic rest of your Monday. We'll see you here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.